Football on the Sports Social Podcast Network is brought to you by BetVictor. Don't like your odds? Enjoy daily bet boosts on your favourite sports and make your best bet now at betvictor.com. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Hello and welcome. I'm Erin Cuthbert, footballer for Chelsea and the Scotland national team, and you're listening to the Blue Day podcast. Welcome back, folks, to the podcast that never ends. Yes, this is the Blue Day podcast, and for Chelsea fans everywhere, every day is a blue day. I am your host and creator, Keith Lawrence, and we are in a fabulous mood this week, and I wonder why. We're going to talk about the recent away win at Selhurst Park, but before we do that, let me introduce to you my guest this week. He's a man who's made a lot of appearances for Chelsea, too many to mention and too many players to talk about, especially with certain chairmen of the board. Ladies and gentlemen, Steve Wicks is back on the show. Steve, welcome back. We spoke... Great to be back, Steve. We spoke... <laughs> thank you. We spoke roughly after the game on Saturday about the Crystal Palace victory and we talked about how great it was to win away, which we haven't done for a while, but everything seems to be in a, in a nice, calm mood now with, for Chelsea. But saying that, if we've got a big week coming up. We've got a big month coming up with the Champions League against Milan. Both games, uh, I believe, in the month of October. And we've got a few Premier League games as well. We've got Brighton at the end of the month as well, which will, won't be easy, excuse me. But we're going to talk about today the review of the Crystal Palace game, which I attended. And it's only taken me 48 hours to get my voice back properly. And we're going to preview the Milan game. So, Steve, we'll, we'll crack on to start off with and talk about Conor Gallagher's beautiful goal to win the game. It was a bit of a tough game at Selhurst Park. It always is against Crystal Palace, and they do make it difficult for us. But what did you make of the lineup to begin with, Steve, knowing that he went with a back four again? And... Yeah. Do you think we should read quite a lot into it with certain players that have been left out or certain players that have kept their place? Well, quite frankly, I like a back four. I think it's I think you're you take away from the team if you play a back five. If you haven't got the full backs that get forward and create. Um and you know my feelings about Reese James. I think he's an absolutely fabulous player. And I've said to you that um, I think he's one of the best fullbacks in the world. Um, 
But I think he's got to do more. He's got to assert himself in games more because he's that good that he can do it. And I think that, that sometimes when you're playing a back five and your wingers, your wing backs aren't doing that, I think it takes away from, from the rest of the team. And I think that I'm one of those people that, you know, you're in a back four, your two centre-backs have got to defend properly. Um, the wing-backs can, can break when, you know, when they have the opportunity. But I think it adds more all over the park. And I think to go to Crystal Palace, which is not the easiest place in the world to go, it's become, you know, Patrick Vera's done a great job there. And they've got a lot of very talented footballers there. I think to go there and win, I think is a great result. When you talk about Rhys James, there's a lot of to talk about with England, about Trent Alexander-Arnold, why is he not in the team? And you talk about someone like Rhys James and you find certain supporters are wondering why Rhys James is in the squad. Other supporters understand why. But when you look at his attacking intent and what he brings to the side from going forward, there's no denying his ability to cross the ball. There's no denying him as an attacking threat. And he does score goals as well. But do you think that for him to become world-class, he needs to improve? Are you saying that from a coach's perspective or somebody who's played in the back four? No, I, I think with Reese, I, I think when he goes into the England team, I think he plays it safe. Um and I think that he doesn't do what he does week in, week out. And I think he's got so much ability that he's just got to put that England shirt on and say, right, here we go. I'm going to show them what a great player I am. Because he's a fantastic footballer. He's, he's, some of his crosses and what he creates for Chelsea are unbelievable. But with England, he takes the easy option a lot of the time. And that's what, you know, frustrates me. Because he, he, he is, his injury last year changed our whole season. And the, the, you know, the two fullbacks were playing absolutely superb. And they both got injured at more or less the same time. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah. Chilwell and James. And it, it rocked us. We, we lost two very creative players who were causing teams major problems. And I just want Reese to look in the mirror believe in his ability and go out there game after game and show everyone what a great player he is. I don't want to see Reese James making a 20-yard run, turning out and playing the ball 20 yards back. I don't want to see that. When you get to that stage where it's one against one, Reese, go for it, take him on. And I think sometimes he plays it too safe. But that will come with experience. He will play on Saturday as well. I'm a big fan of him. And uh, one of the things I cannot understand is the money we've spent on the left back. I can't work that one out. I really can't. I didn't think Chilwell played that bad. Um, in terms of how the team played overall, I thought it wasn't brilliant to watch. And there was times where I was scratching my head thinking, this isn't, there's no change between what Potter's trying to do and what Tuchel's trying to do. It's all possession. It's all sideways passing, backwards passing, trying to keep the ball. And Palace were happy for 
large parts of the game to have 11 men back and play on the counter. But we, Keith, we're playing in front of people. We're playing in front of people all the time. Yeah. And when you play in front of people, as a defender, it's the easiest thing to defend against. When people start looking to get in behind you and stretching you, that's when it becomes, you know, you're tested. At the moment, Chelsea are playing too safe football. Keeping possession, playing it square, playing it back, playing it forward, playing it square. You know, we've got to, we need to tweak our game a little bit. But having said that, as I said, uh, you know, what Patrick Vera has built at Crystal Palace is a very hard away game. And to come away with a, a 2-1 win is a big boost to the club. Well, you mentioned the full-backs with Chilwell and Reese James. We talk about the other centre-backs. We talk about with Thiago Silva, who, looking back on the decisions, he was lucky to stay on the pitch. We was very fortunate with that. And Wesley Fofana, who's made two mistakes, really. He made a mistake when uh, gifting the ball to Palace, and then when it came to the cross which was a good cross, but it should have been dealt with by Chelsea's defence. The Chelsea of old would have had that for dinner. But Fafana allowed the, the, the attacker behind him to get the ball and Kepa does what Kepa does. But do you think Fafana will come good or do you think that Wesley Fafana is going to become one of these defenders that well, he's come how... in for big money and then all of a sudden he's going to be a dud? First of all, he's got poor socks up. He looks like a shower of shit. But... But with him, I can't understand where that price has come from. I really can't understand what he's done in the Premier League to warrant that type of money. And to me, he's got a lot to do to make me believe he's a quality player. Because every time I see him, he's prone to a mistake. And he's prone to make a mistake. Um, and as a number five, as a centre-back, you just got to play the, play the game easy and not complicate it. And with, you know, you know what I feel um, about Silva. I think he is the finest centre-back probably that's ever played the game, apart from Bobby Moore. But, and I, there's no... That's I can't, high praise, that is. You know, I can't say any more about him. He is an absolute superb player. But that little incident shows you that maybe time is catching up with him a little bit. Because in his heyday, he'd have never made that mistake. I would say I, individually he's making more mistakes, but I I firmly believe, and this is from me as my new role, which I'll try and keep secret, but probably during this season... Is that cheese and tomato? Pardon? Is that cheese and tomato, your new role? <laughs> yeah. That with a uh, spicy salsa, but yeah. I don't think he's. I don't think he's able to play as a defender in a back four. No, he's like he is like David Luiz. David Luiz could never play as a centre back in a back four because he would get overrun. Get he he would get caught out. And there's I... something about the Brazilian centre backs that, especially in this league that get caught out in certain situations. And I think Silva is a lot better with a back three because then he can see more of the more of the game. He can take charge of the 
the centre backs in front in front of him, alongside him, and his game was so much better, in my opinion, already this season. He should be playing in a back three, not a back four. Or as Lady Time caught up with him, you know, possibly, possibly, I, I think maybe, maybe Time has, has caught up with him. Maybe it's the 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 you know the you know he he has been I think one of Chelsea's great signings in terms of you know to get him and everyone thinking he was finished and to get the years we've had from him I think it's been unbelievable and it's been a to me an honour for a player of his ability to play for my club it's it's he's been fantastic but there are times where you look at him and you think God. I want him to go out on a high. I don't want him to go out and be left out and released because time has caught up with him. Do you think with having someone like Thiago, do you think that the club should maybe look at, and this is something that maybe they were probably hoping to do with other players in the past, is have Thiago stay on as coach once he retires, or do you think Silva still thinks maybe he could play in his 40s? Um, I think it'd be fantastic for the kids at Chelsea, the young defenders at Chelsea, um, to be taught by someone as world-class as him and how he's been. I think um, that would be a real... I'd love... Chelsea to offer him an opportunity to coach our defender, our young defenders, the right habits and coach his mentality, which I think is to be at the top at his age shows you his mentality, his dedication is incredible. And if he can get that over to the kids, I think that would be a fantastic job for him. Uh, and um, and a way up for him to become a manager as well, you know, because I think you know he's a. There's nothing I can say that could be one iota detrimental to a player of his ability. A fantastic player. Now it's interesting with the the game on Saturday. Palace scored through their first attack. It was a good cross, but I felt Chelsea should have defended it better. And there was large moments in the game where. It just seemed Chelsea didn't have an idea on how to create, how to play that final ball. Sterling frustrated the hell out of me on Saturday, and there was a few moments where I did um, shout out some expletives to the point where he frustrated the hell out of me. And I think he's going to be one of them players that is going to do that for me this season. Yes, he scored some crucial goals already, but my views on him, and I've mentioned it privately, uh, to, to people that I don't think he's a great signing, but I'm, I I might be wrong, and if I'm proved wrong, then great. But him up front with Aubameyang and Havertz, it's going to take time for that to gel. It certainly did not gel on Saturday. We've got the equaliser with Aubameyang, his first Premier League goal for us. Great goal, by the way. Great Fantastic goal. goal. My God, that was a proper centre-forward's goal and 
Great I was listening to the Match of the Day pundits on Saturday and they were talking about finally Chelsea have got a centre-forward that can hold the ball up, that can play... He off played very well, Daddy. I'll tell you what, he linked up the play very, very well. Mm. And it surprised me because, you know, in his last days at Arsenal, he's a lady, he just stayed up front and we expected the service. But he actually joined in and linked up play very, very well on Saturday. Um, and... I was impressed with his performance. And that's what Chelsea have needed. That's what we need, is that number nine that can link up play, come deep, lay the ball off, but attack the box. And to be fair, he played very well on Saturday. Very well indeed. And I'm not one of his biggest fans. Well, here's here's a question for you, Steve. We talked about strikers that have come to Chelsea and there's been strikers that have come to Chelsea in their early 30s and a lot of people think that when they reach a certain point in their careers that they're over the hill they're done Olivier Giroud came to Chelsea to the point where he was around about early 30s and there was a lot of people that were thinking why on earth are we signing this guy I think that that's partly the same with Pierre to the point where you know We've only got him because we could not get anybody else. People are going to talk about Erling Haaland. And yeah, I mean, I don't think there was any... Chelsea of 10 years ago probably would have got him, but Chelsea have now absolutely not. But do you think with Aubameyang, with his record of goal scoring, and he has got a good goal scoring record, but because you say father time perhaps could catch up with him, he might be losing half a yard. Not He's not going to be the same player possibly when he was at Arsenal. Do you believe Aubameyang will be a good signing for Chelsea long-term? I think you've hit the nail on the head, Keith, when you said he, he was the, basically the only option, really, that was left. So, mind you, haven't, haven't we almost signed a Leipzig, the, the next Haaland? You know, Christopher uh, and Cuckoo, yeah. There's, yeah. It looks as if there's a medical in place. Um, obviously, Chelsea are trying to keep it hush-hush. Um, and it's interesting when we sort of think about the timing of it. You know, the transfer window's shut. Well, the transfer window is no longer open. And Chelsea are still trying to do business. Quite interesting to see. That... I, I think that's good. I think that's good. Listen, I think, um, you know, Man City did a huge amount of smoothing with Haaland. You know, I think they, they you know, and I think Chelsea have, have been very brave in what they've done in terms of, They've made it very plain that he's the player they want. They've organised everything. They've agreed a fee over his get-out clause to secure him. So to me, you know, having given the chairman a little bit of stick, you know, I think he's done quite well if it comes off. Because evidently this guy is a very good player. Um, so... You got to give him ten out of ten for making sure that we don't lose out again. Well, there is potential that the release clause is around sixty million euros, and you know we spoke on Saturday, Steve, about him, and I I am a fan of his. I think you I think he's made for the Premier League. I believe he's only twenty three, twenty four, so he's young. He's got potential. And Great age. Great age to sign a player. Great age. I think you know he could potentially be 
a, a great signing for Chelsea. But it's interesting with the timing. Now, could we see something like this happen on a regular basis where Chelsea are trying to buy players outside the transfer window? I mean, it, it has happened before. But it's interesting when you see Chelsea trying to bring in players like that and you look at someone like Wesley Fafana, who's early 20s, and Cuckoo potentially uh, coming in as early 20s. A Chelsea building for the future, do you believe, under this Todd Bowley character and Graham Potter? Well, or are we it's... thinking that he's trying to fit certain pieces of the puzzle into that can fit? Well, two players he signed, Aubameyang and, I can never say his name, the centre-back from... Kulabai. Kulabai. He's, they're old. They're thir- in their 30s. So, I think maybe we, as Chelsea fans, we've got to give the owner time to settle down and realise what he's trying to do. There, you know, I, I, I look at it and I, half of it I'm looking at and saying he's building for the future. And then, but with young players, you need experienced players. You know, Ron Harris in my day and David Hay in my day were vital for our promotion push. Um, it was their experience that helped us an awful lot. Um, but I'm looking at the Chelsea thing and I'm thinking to myself, are they building? Uh, you know, are they going the right way? Well, it's, at the moment, it's 50-50. It's 50, there are things I quite like. I quite like them trying to sign, sign this boy because he is something special. And they want to get the deal done and get it all sorted to do the deal in January. And I think that's forward thinking and that's great. And then I look at the other side, Sterling. You know, to me, he's the most frustrating footballer I've ever known in my life. Mm. He's got all the ability, but sometimes I don't think he's got the brain. And sometimes I think, you know, and what I hate, is when he misses a chance and he smiles. I, 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 I to me, I can't understand. Well, but, there was an opportunity against Palace that he, he took the shot, the goalkeeper missed it. He had then had another opportunity and the goalkeeper was coming towards him and he hit the post and it went out. And he yeah. did have a smile then and obviously... Oh, it drives me mad. <laughs> you know, I don't know any strikers that smile when they miss a chance. You know, that, that, that's their bread and butter. For all the goals he scored at Man City, he missed two-thirds more than the goals he yeah. scored. He is not a goal scorer. He is not a natural goal scorer. And, at times, he's a liability. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Um, and, uh, you know, he... he he came from QPR and he, I had great things from the coaching staff, uh, staff at QPR that he was something special. To me, I think he's falling short of what he should be. And I don't think Pep, if he'd have been that good, would have let him go. Hmm. Well, we'll see how he gets on 
sort of this season. He's he's done okay. He's he's scored a few goals. He should have scored on Saturday, but he, he should have scored double. He should have scored double the chances he's had. He should be eight or nine goals this season. Well, one player who did score and he oh, scored yeah. the, and he, this, he, the he scored the winner. We talked about Aubameyang earlier, but he scored the winner was Connor Gallagher. And my goodness, what a cracking goal! What a goal! Yeah, and do you I know was what? There, I, was, I was there at I, the time when he went past that player and he curled it. The guy who I was uh, standing next to, his name's Josh. If he's listening to the show, and I sort of I whispered it to him that he's going in, and as soon as I it just curled in so beautifully. And the whole Arthur Waite stand just erupted with joy, relief, and ecstasy. Being yeah. it was it was a good moment for him. It was his first goal for Chelsea. I would have liked it for him to celebrate. I can understand why he didn't. He just you know stood there and allowed all the players to so jump on top right. of him. I think the guy did absolutely right there. I think he did. Bearing in mind. His inner sanctum would have said, run and go berserk. They showed a great, did you see the clip of Ian Wright? Oh, yes, yes. When he scored the goal for Arsenal and he'd been at Crystal Palace for it. You know, and I'm sure he would have done. But you know what? I think the boy, I, I just think, I, I, I love little terriers that, that will work so hard to achieve things. And I think that boy needs someone to put their arm around him and say, do you know what, Connor? I believe in you. That's what he needs. And I don't think that happened under the last manager. I think he was made to feel that he was... But do you know what? I think he could be a fantastic player for Chelsea. And he just needs nurturing and someone put their arm around him and say, do you know what, son? I think you could be the best. And that boy will react to that. I think he's a super, a super player. Um, and I was so pleased for him on Saturday. If there was someone that I could have chosen to score the winning goal, it would have been him. Because he's gone through, God, he's gone through, you know, such a bad time and treated really sort of, I don't know, treated not, as well as he should have been with his with the ability he's got and how he played last season, and I think that was one of the managers. The, the you know Tuchel, I think, was a big player manager. And I'll tell you what, it's so important you look after the younger players as well, and make sure your squad's looked after. And I think that's where he lacked a little bit because he made. You know, Connor Gallagher, he lost all his confidence, everything. And that's bad you know, management, that is. It does seem to be the case, looking on the outside, that Potter is going to give the young players a chance. It does seem that he's going to give someone like Connor Gallagher a chance. It was good to see Brozier come on the pitch as well. It would be nice if he had more minutes, but I can understand why. He's trying to blend Aubameyang into the team. But it'll be interesting coming up against AC Milan, but it was a massive three points for Chelsea. 
Huge win against Crystal Palace. Our next game was against Wolves, who sacked their manager yesterday, so they might have a bit of a bounce-back possibility with them. We're hoping for, obviously, three points to keep the momentum up and to try and to catch Arsenal at the moment. We, we less, less spoke about them, the better. But one side note to talk about, and in terms of centre-forwards, is the situation with Romelu Lukaku. Now, Graham Potter came out last week and said that the door is not closed on Lukaku possibly returning to Chelsea. Now, it'll be interesting how he gets on at Inter Milan. Evidently, Inter Milan are not doing very well at the moment so far this season. I think they've lost four out of eight games. Do you think with the new manager coming in, the money we've spent on Lukaku, bearing in mind it was £100 With Potter, the way he is, do you believe there is a way back for Lukaku at Chelsea at this moment, or do you think that's it? He needs he needs to go pronto. No, I think you should never say never in football. I think um, you know managers uh, motivate uh, motivate players in different ways. My view is that listen, he's a very very good player, but. I wouldn't mind playing against him because his movement isn't that good. So, therefore, it's a battle. It's a battle. Um, I think if you look at the energy that Harlem puts into a game, I think, you know, Romo should look at that and say, that's what's lacking from my game. He's always on the move. He always looks dangerous. He's always having a go. Um, and he's always looking for goals. And I think his body language, Lukaku's, you know, body language, I think at times. But having said that, the way we played must have been so frustrating for him because we just pass the ball sideways and backwards and he's making runs. And then if you've got a centre forward that just wants to win things in the box and score in the box, it must be a nightmare playing for the way Chelsea played, especially with the, you know, the, the, two wingers at the time we played that all they did was go 10 yards and go backwards whip the ball in the in the box and that's what class strikers live off of um, you know and um, never say never but personally I think his type of player struggles in today's football a little bit because it's all about giving him the opportunity and he scored goals. Don't get me wrong, he scored goals. But I think centre forwards have become more link up play. You know, if you look at Harry Kane at his best, he has you know, he can come deep, he can put people in. His passing is absolutely brilliant. I think he's very one dimensional. And I think that's the thing of the past. And this is why I think they've gone for the other boy, who is a bit hard in terms of the way he plays. And I think that's the way forward. I think you just got to let him go and just kill the thing and let him go. Because I don't think he's a top, top Premier League. His game doesn't suit a top, top Premier club. Well, if he is to go... Inter are going to have to pay a lot of money, potentially. Yeah. How many goals do you score for Inter now? 
good question. Is he having a great season there? Is no, he he's well? not. No, no. He's putting no. That's what I'm saying. No. I think his time is. Do you know what? I think. I think when you get to the stage he's at, and you're you've got millions of pounds in the bank, and you don't have to worry about life anymore financially. I think that's a test for a footballer. It's the the ability to be financially secure for the rest of your life, but actually break your neck for your football club and to run your balls off for your football club and to give it everything for your football club. I think to certain people it becomes quite hard. Hmm. Um, and that's why you've got to look at the likes of Kane, you've got to look, look at the likes of, you know, the super Harlan. You know, he hasn't got to work another day in his life, Harlan. Um, but I'll tell you what, they put their body at risk and they go for it and they will play and they will work hard and come off the pitch giving everything. I didn't think Lukaku did that many times at Chelsea. Well, as we, as we said, we shall see. We shall see what transpires with Mr Lukaku during the, the course of the season. The way into Milan are going at the moment, it seems he's not having a good run at it. Um, but in terms of Chelsea... We've got the win. We've got Wolves coming up. We've then got Aston Villa in the Premier League. We potentially could have Manchester United the week after. And then we've got Brighton. So, big few games coming up in the league. But Champions League, Steve. And this is oh, quite, this is quite an interesting one. Yes. AC Milan. AC Milan, Steve. A huge game. Uh, this is one that I won't be going to, unfortunately for me. But... Hey-ho, never mind. <laughs> a huge game. The return of Tamore and the return of Olivier Giroud. How do you think we're going to get on? It's going to be a tough one. Chelsea have to win, don't they? Yeah, they do. Keith, they have to win. A draw's not good no, enough, is it? We're at the point of no return. And we have to win this game. Um, and get back into, into the group. Because if we lose it, we're at the point of no return. And this is a very inexperienced AC Milan team. Very inexperienced. They're a very young side. Um, and I think the fans play a big part in making it very intimidating and, and you know, making it hard for them. And uh, it, uh, Personally, I think we'll win it. But I'll tell you what, we need to... The big thing we've got to do is when we go one up, We've got to work hard to get that second one. Get the game won. And I think that's been our big problem. It is a must-win It is a must win game. How do you think the the returns of Tamore and Giroud, how do you think they'll get on with the way Milan... Uh, and Milan are not, are not... Milan are not a bad side. They're, they're, you know, they're no mugs. They did win the league in Serie A. And Serie A is a good league, whether people think differently, that's up to them. But... I, Giroud normally starts. It'll be interesting if he does score, what he does, if he's going to celebrate, maybe. But you talk about it's a must-win game. If we do lose, are you even thinking perhaps we might even not qualify for the Europa League? Is that some... Basically, Steve, would you prefer to be out of the Champions League or out of Europe completely or go into the Europa League? Listen... 
failure hasn't even crossed my mind, Keith. I think we'll beat AC Milan, and I think we get out of the group. Um, but listen, I think bearing in mind the Europa League is another way into the Champions League for next season, and that's where we want to be. We want to be changing for the Champions League, don't we? That's that's the the end and end all of all. To me, it's the greatest prize in, in football. Um, so it's another route into, you know, Chelsea fans will enjoy a final of the Europa League. Make no mistake about that. If they're if we're in the final, we we make the most of it, and we're, you know, so therefore you can't look at that because it's going to be tough. These Do you think four- that could be a backward step, though? Do you think fans will accept that? Do you think the board will accept that? With the amount of money that they've spent to go, okay, we're playing in a secondary oh, European competition. Yeah. Do you think there might be issues with that? Or would you perhaps look at it on the other side and think, Graham Potter hasn't got much experience in Europe, in a European yeah. competition. Could the Europa League perhaps be something that Potter might actually prefer? Because it's maybe less pressure on him to succeed in terms of a Champions League fixture. And with the squad that we've got, in essence, we could have more chance of winning the Europa League than we would if we was in the Champions League. Because there's no hope for us in the Premier League. Could we perhaps maybe look at something, as you say, Europa League, if we win that, then we're already in the Champions League. You know what, kids? I think you've got to look at football. You've got to look at Chelsea and say to yourself, we're all upset with the way Chelsea have started. Right? We're all... A little bit underwhelmed with what's happened. I think that's the word, underwhelmed. But I'll tell you what, there's one massive club. They're in a worse position than us. I wonder which one you're talking about. (laughs) Liverpool. Oh, that's not the one I thought you was talking about. (laughs) Honestly. I thought you were talking about the other horrible lot from up north. They've had an absolute nightmare. So, two of the top four haven't started that well. They haven't at all. And, um, you know, I think it was really quite odd. There was a a couple of um, examples that they picked up on Match of the Day about Liverpool. And they were saying about Salah. And how he signed his new contract. And, again, that when you're playing for a new contract and you want you're you're on the ball, you're going for it all the time because you want to prove to them you're worth X amount of pounds that you're gonna earn. All of a sudden he's got it. And some of the examples they gave where he just made a token gesture to close people down epitomise what's going wrong with Liverpool. And the other thing is Van Dyke. Hmm. He, I don't know whether he's believing in his, in his own publicity, but he's strolling about and isn't half the player that he was. Huh. I don't know how bad his injury was. I don't know what... what it, but my God. And yet, he's got very little criticism. Huh. And the right back, the right back can't defend to save his life. 
And the one thing I agree about with Gareth Southgate is when you get to playing international football and it's like master, masters in chess, where if there's a weakness, they find it out. Not so much in the group stages, but when it comes to the quarterfinals, semi-final, they will find out a weakness. And that boy at Liverpool is not good enough at international level defensively. Defensively. And I think him and Van Dijk having their off times are causing Liverpool major problems. Major problems. And I can't believe what's happened to them. So I look at it and I we're in a you know, our aim this season, let's get it right, has got to be in the top four. Mm. We want to get into that top four. I think Spurs, I look at them and they don't excite me at all. They 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 win games when they haven't played that well, which is a good sign. And yet against Arsenal, they were they were awful. You know, Arsenal, I thought the different class to them. You know, and I think Conte is a bit one-dimensional. He plays one way. He doesn't change it up a little bit, apart from when he doesn't play with the centre-forward at Man City. But, but what I'm saying is, I think there's lots of clubs that have had it all their own way in the top four over the last six, seven years that are now at a crossroads in their, in their, in their clubs. So I think Liverpool, you know... Brendan Rodgers could feasibly get the sack tonight. Yeah. Right? He could feasibly, you know, if things go wrong, he could get the sack. What's happened at Leicester, I just don't know. I don't know what's happened. That is a, that's a mystery, that is, how that club has sunk to where it is. Um, you know, but you're, you're looking, and, I, and I, I'm looking at it thinking, right, Man City. Man United are a shambles. Liverpool, well, I don't know what's going on with them. So, we're not as bad off as what it could have been. We're, we're in a better position than actually anyone would have thought we'd be at the moment. Just to put it into context, and I've got the league table up. Now, it looked doom and gloom when we... Drew to Tottenham, it looked doom and gloom when Chelsea's results weren't going too great. But if you look at if you look at the table, it's, oh, that sounds ridiculous. We've got a game in hand, we've got to play Liverpool. If we win that, we're only four points off Man City. This is what I'm saying, Keith. This the, the the whole thing is it's not real. What what all right, who would have said? At the start of this season, Arsenal will be top of the league. Who would have said that? No one. No one. No one. No, no one. one. In fact, there was a thing they were talking today that Arteta was the fourth most backed manager to get the sack. Yeah. Yeah. And yet they're top. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying, listen, I hope I'm wrong, but to me, Man City will win the league. Yeah, and I, I, I believe so, they will, yes. This is also the time where I think Man City 
will win the Champions League. Liano, but I'm a football man. <laughs> Sentiment it goes so far, and then you, but I think they are probably the best team in the world at the moment. The best team in the world. And unfortunately, the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool, Man United have been left behind. They've been left behind. And, and it's sad, but you know, that's, that's football, unfortunately. But my aim for Chelsea this year would, would be to get in the top four, win whatever they can, yeah. whether it be the Europa League or, or, or the FA Cup, or not so much, but the FA Cup, and just keep it turning over. Just, just keep us, you know, because every team goes through this rebuilding cycle. And hits a, a bit of a, you know, a lump in the road and have to rebuild and get going again. And we've got to that stage now where we're, we're, we're rebuilding. But the way Man City have run their football club and the way they sign, the, it's a jigsaw. He's had a five, six year jigsaw to build. Chelsea managers have 12 months, six months, maybe nine months. And they can't ever fulfil their jigsaw. Mm. Pep, as player by player, that's why the Sterlings and all the people can go because he's rebuilding that club because he's been given time. And that's not the Chelsea formula. It's win trophies or get the sack. Well, it's a big week coming up. It's a huge game against Milan. I... Depending on, hopefully the atmosphere is going to be good. It'd be great to see Chelsea fans sing for 90 minutes and get the team going. I think the the win against Palace, I think, certainly would help. And then we're playing against Wolves. We're a little bit down, a little bit down in the, in the dumps at the moment. Hopefully we can keep the confidence going on that one. It's a huge week. And as you say, Steve, it's going to be make or break for, for European football. However, it's not make or break for us because we're still going to be ploughing on this season. We're still going to be keeping up with the exciting and new content. We're hopefully going to announce a few more player interviews coming up in the next few weeks. We're also working on something quite exciting that's going to happen in 2023. So keep listening to our shows and we will give you the announcements there and then find us on twitter at the blue day pod find us on facebook facebook.com slash the blue day podcast find us on instagram at the blue day podcast as well hopefully you'll see some of the reactions to the last minute winner by conor gallagher by me which is how i lost my voice and nearly broke my ankle from falling off of the cdr chair but we're going to end it on a positive note, Steve, because the last few weeks has been pretty shit in terms of rants and annoyance. So we're going to end it on a positive and we're going to hope for a good win on Wednesday. But hopefully we'll see the boys have six points, three in the Champions League and three in the Premier League. I think we will. I yeah. think we will. I think we will get to it. Listen, but all I ask, those Chelsea fans, 
make it a cauldron make it a place where inter milan don't want to be and get behind the team because they need us they need us it's easy when you're winning everything's going well this is a big game and we need to win this game so let's all of us give a hundred percent for the cause there's nothing like a chelsea fan cheering on his team they're alone 42,000 of them whatever let's make it a cauldron let's cheer on our players and let's go for it couldn't have said it better myself if you like what you've heard so far find us wherever you find your favorite podcast we are on youtube as well youtube.com slash the blue day podcast as i said previously we will be hoping to have some player interviews coming up between now and christmas certainly we're going to have some hopefully some surprises but I've been Keith Lawrence. He's been Steve Wicks. Keep the blue flag flying high. Stay safe and carefree. Podcast Network.